Why is everyone so awkward? <laughs> I was just lapping in the, the awesomeness of you guys. Hey, Dudu, how's it, dude? Eduardo, lucky to have you, man. My good friend Raymond's here as well. My other good friend, Dotkins Craig, who led worships here. Yes, I'm feeling very loved. Adam is here. All the guys I love that I haven't seen for a while in church are here together. Amazing. Welcome to the newly married couple, Jordan and Jess. Welcome. Amazing. Is it your first, is it your first Sunday back after being a married couple? Second. Oh, I didn't see you. I'm sorry about that. All kids, but welcome. Lucky to have you guys again for, the t- for two times. We just sang that song, um, We Build on God's Love and We Will Not Be Shaken. And so it's funny that we're going to be talking about love again. I want to build on from last week, from John Barry's preach. If you weren't here last week, could I encourage you? It's probably on the, on, on the, on the webpage. Um, maybe go listen to it. It'll be good. So what I want to ask on the outset is, uh, love, it's, I've battled so much to prep this preach this week because love is so Christian cliche <sighs> they're like, I know, like, oh, we're going to love like Christ. And then all of a sudden, everyone just shuts down because it's like, it's something we've heard so many times. So I understand, I'm there with you guys, okay? So, to, whoa, not to shut down. Like the mic just did. Even the mic's giving up. He's like, oh, no. You know, because there is something, there is something of building our lives on Christ's love that we aren't shaken. And so, yeah, as much as it's possible, I know it's a long weekend. I'm going to try to be pretty short. I've got a time on already. It's, I'm losing time as, we, as I mumble. But um, I do want to just look at God's love, and I want to answer the question, what is love? Because John did a really good job of saying we need to love last week. But what is it? And it's a very hard thing to define. So crowd participation is going to be needed today so that I'm not the only one in trouble <laughs> if we define it wrong. Okay, so just get that in your mind. So we'll ask for some, some things. And so I'm going to be going through 2 Corinthians 5 from verses 14 to 21, but I'll break it up into three sections and try to get it into our hearts so that we leave different to what we came in, if that makes any sense. And so let's go for it. Let me start with a quote. John Piper says this, or is quoted in saying this, If you do not feel the strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunken deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long on the table of the world that your soul is stuffed with the small things and there is no room for the great. And so I wanted to start that out. Like, so we're eating from the world every single day, every advert. Like if you're in the workplace, you are surrounded by people that don't think kingdom. TV, movies, every movie has an agenda. Every movie is a preach to us, saying this is how we should be living our lives. There's, there's always something. Every, everything's an advert in this world. And the problem with, with the, we, are, we are in the world, we're not of the world. So we can't become irrelevant. <laughs> but we also can't be drawn in that our thinking and our actions and our lifestyles reflect what the world is telling us to reflect. And that's why the love of God or building our lives on the love of God is the game changer in a sense. And we'll look at what the Bible says about that. And it's, the reason why I say that is because people love to get back or people love for selfish ambition or for self. That's worldly love. 
Loving like Christ loves is a whole other thing. It's an upside down thing. It's whatever the world is saying, we've got to love opposite to that. And that is a very easy thing to say. It's a whole other thing to live out. And so last week, uh, one of the things that John threw out was one of the love blockers, he called it, was ego. And with that, <laughs> he said, you've got a list of people that you love. And then like the top of the list of the people that you really want to hang out with a lot. And then you got the bottom of the list. And he said, we've got to flip it. So I'm like, I'm in. I stood like everyone else, or lots of everyone else. I'm in. I want to be that guy that loves from the bottom of the list. Guess what happens Monday? Monday morning, we sit down for our family devotion. And part of that is what's happening today and what's going to be doing homeschooling and what, who we're going to have for supper that night. And guess what? Some of the people on the bottom of my list were for supper. And then my little alien inside goes, and I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want to go, babe. So I said, Abby, I'm not going. I've had it. I mean, this is like the next morning after that amazing preach that day. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, help me. And I knew when I said that, Abby is going to tune me somewhere along the line. I knew it was the wrong heart. You know, you're like, it's inside. You know that you're not supposed to be thinking or feeling like that. I'm just being vulnerable like a puppy here today. It's like, this is me. In all my non-awesomeness. And so she left it. Abby's such a gracious person sometimes. (laughs) And uh, she left it and my whole day was freaking out. Especially my day off. So I'm like freaking out because I know she's going to, a guy's tuning me. She's going to tune me. Who's worse? I don't know. So like 2.30, she's like, hey, Brett, can I talk? I knew. (laughs) I knew. I'm in trouble. And she's like, hey, what did you mean by that? Because you've been telling me not to do that all these months. So now how come you can do it, and, but I can't do it? I'm like, it's a good point, babes. I'm like, and she's just like, she's like, how are you reflecting Christ? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I was like, ah. And it was like a very painful 15 minutes. And then I realized, you know, my heart is still so gone. So far from what the Lord wants. It's easy to love the people that are easy to love. It's a whole nother, and you know what, I went, but I, I went with the best heart that I could possibly do. I fought the whole evening, and, I, and halfway through the evening, Abby's like, it's really good to have you, it's so amazing that you came, I'm like, but I can't, I can't feel like that, i got to love. Am I just the only one like that, like everyone's laughing at me, oh yeah, and I see you wearing your Red Bull top, and I actually played, we didn't do so well in the practice anyways, but uh, that's another thing, Red Bull, we, we love Ferrari, not really, we don't. But then I was like, yes, I just stood. Like, I just stood yesterday morning, and now my heart is so far gone again. And so I was supposed to preach last week, and then John messaged going, he wants to preach. So this preacher's been coming for like two or three weeks. So you might be like me, where we hear the word, but it's, it takes a little bit longer for it to settle. Okay, so that's what to... Are you guys like, are you guys with me? Are you guys, am I, okay. Oh, have I messed myself up before we even started here? So, this morning, we desire that you have a, like the manifestation of God's glory takes root in our hearts. I've tried to not nibble from the world this week. But many of us probably haven't thinking like that. And so you hear full of the world stuff. But God is bigger than the world. He's overcome the world. His love is greater than the world's love. He's the only one that died for you, not the world. The world doesn't care about you. So this morning, could I ask that you open your heart to him? Not to me. 
I'm just an oak with problems, as you can clearly see. But I desperately love Jesus, and I'm trying to love his people. That we leave this place knowing his glory because we've feasted from him and him alone. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's a good start. You guys seem to be, no one's escaped yet, so that's a good thing. So 1 Corinthians um, 5, we'll start with verse 14 to 16. It says this. For, it should come up there. Oh, yeah, you're quick. Uh, for Christ's love compels us. And I want to, that's my first point. The love of Christ compels us. Urge us on. Give us the desire to live different. There's, like, who's compelled to, to watch Formula One later? I am. <laughs> I've set up my whole day, my supper's early, and I'm like, got people coming over. There's, there's something about when you're excited about something or something's valuable to you, there's a compulsion in your heart. There's something that drives you to put your ducks in a row or to put your money or your energy or your heart's desires into that thing. So that's the worldly thinking. Sport and money and fame and fortune and nice clothing. I don't know what you guys are into. But for Christ's love shall compel us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And so there's a conviction that comes from God's love that Christ came to die once and for all, never to be done again. A death that was over every death. But he not only died, oh no, I'm going to get carried away. Let's just carry on reading. Carry on, next verse. And he died for all, that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So we are compelled by God's love to stop living for us and to live for him. Where the world is saying, yeah, it's good to have you too. I didn't see you earlier. That's Craig's other better half, I think. I don't know. Yes. Good. Still love you, bro. You see, the, the love of God compels us to stop living for self and for the worldly things and to live for others. It's easier said than done, right? But he, was, he died and then he was risen again from, on the third day. We know that. And so it's easy to live for ourselves. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do. We so no longer do. So what's what's happening here is there's a way that we look at the world. And when Christ's love comes into us and we understand it fully, that thing shifts. We're no longer looking in a worldly perspective or a worldly thing. We are looking as Christ looks at the world. We're loving as Christ loves the world. We're not loving for ourselves. We're loving for everyone around us including our enemies and those people on the bottom of our list. Actually, more for the people on the bottom of the list. Because the Word of God says, what's the use of loving someone that loves you back or giving someone that's going to give you money back? Love in a way that even if you don't receive. And so the question is, is the love of God compelling you to live this way? Or are you nibbling so much on the world that it doesn't, when I say it, it just bounces off you? It's a good question. So let me ask you guys, what do you think love is? If this love should compel us to live differently, what is is love? Yeah, you guys can throw out answers. There's probably no wrong answers unless they are wrong, but I won't embarrass you. Okay, so that settles everyone. Everyone's like, yes, I'm in. What do you think love is? 
How do we define it? Anybody, who's brave enough to start the... Come on, Gareth, you clever, bro. Tolerance, could be. Compassion. Humility, self-sacrificing. Good one, whoever shouted that out. Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians 13. Patient, kind, does not boast, is not envy. We throw these scriptures out all the time. But what is love? Those are expressions of love. What is love? It's all these things. Huh? Hurt. I've never heard that one before. Okay, so emotional, deep, soul-grenching stuff, or on the opposite, joy. God is love. Well, what is that? See, it's, 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 love is such a broad, a broad thing. It's very hard to define. But we throw it out, huh? It is a feeling, but it's not a feeling. It's a verb. It is a verb. It's not a noun. It's a, it's a doing thing, definitely. It's an action. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13 is so important. It's, it's patient. It's kind. It's just a, how's it? How are you right? Lucky to have you. Sorry, I'm just ADHD. It's good to see you. I love your head docky, your wife's head docky. You're beautiful. Sorry, I'm ADHD. I just got to focus. You guys are so, you're so loving as well and kind. You're, you know, so anyways, just trying to focus on. But it is, it's a doing thing. It's, but we still haven't defined it, right? So when we say we love like Christ loves, it's very hard. It's like very broad. It's like, it is all encompassing and there are different aspects of it. But there's one aspect I want to land on today. Just one. And I think it's this. It's connection. So as I as I as like God, what is love? What is it? It's all these things. It's one Corinthians thirteen. It's there's an Old Testament love your neighbor as you love yourself, and there's a New Testament scripture that's like the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest is to love your neighbor as I have loved you. Jesus says. And so you see that I'm gonna, I'm jumping my notes now, but you see this difference in the Old Testament it was love your neighbor as you love yourself. In the New Testament, it's no longer that. That was self. Do it on your own. Jesus now comes in the New Testament. He says, I'm going to up the game a bit. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. (laughs) It's a beautiful difference. It's no longer up to us to love. It's through Christ's love in us that we love. It's very subtle but powerful. So if love is connection, what does it look like? It looks like this. In the Garden of Eden, something happened. There was a loss of connection when it came to relationship. Between man and man, or man and woman, sorry, and man and God. And so Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happens? God comes down. He's like, hey, where are you guys at? I'm coming to hang out with you. I'm coming to have a relationship with you. I'm coming to connect with you. I'm coming to see how you're doing. How are you enjoying the animals? Am I walking around too much? Because you guys, I'm, I'm working hard. You guys got to work hard as well. And, and, and like, no, no, we, we, we naked. And God's like, why are you naked? Who told you you're naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? What happened? There was a severing of a connection. There was a disconnect. Once God was fully in their lives, now there's no connection anymore. They're hiding. They're trying to cover their, themselves with fig leaves. They're, God's like, who told you? And then you see a connection, a disconnection between God, and then you see a disconnection between Adam and Eve and the serpents. And, and Adam's like, no, it was my wife. She made me eat. Go read it. Genesis 3. It's crazy. And she's like, no, 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 no. The serpent made me eat it. And so there's this disconnect from God to man, man to man, man to woman. Just. And then we're all born into this fallen nature of disconnection. 
between God and each other. So that's why it's so hard to love. Because our natural default is not to love. Our natural default is for self. Our natural default is we wanted to be like Christ, knowing good and evil. We wanted to become like him. Because the serpent says, surely God doesn't want you to eat. Because if you eat, you'll be like him, knowing good from evil. And so if we start, if we're in the starting, and every movie you watch, people are good. This guy's a good guy. No, he's not a good guy. No one's good. Romans says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. No one has desired after him. And so you see in the Garden of Eden this disconnection, a breaking down of love. I'm not even in my first point here. This is going to be, this is going to be a half a preach. And then in Genesis 3, verse 21, 23, it should come up there. You see um, the first redemptive action of God's love to mankind. Can you get it up there? One, uh, Genesis 3. While you're doing that, I'll just read it. It says this. And the Lord made garments of skin for Abraham, for Adam and Eve and clothed them. And so they were trying to clothe themselves. They were trying to reconnect by the fig leaves. And, and Jesus was like, God was like, nah. Something has to die. Blood has to be spilt. There has to be a covering. Redemption. It's a picture of Jesus, actually. It's beautiful. And so he goes out and kills for the first time because of a disconnection. Yo. And then the next, the next verse. And the Lord said to them, and this is where we get it wrong. The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Up to this point, they only knew the good of God. They had perfect connection. There was nothing hindering them. There's no blockages. There's no love blocker. There's no ego. There's no self. And then this is where we get it wrong. We think that God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden because he was angry with them. No. He kicked them out of the Garden to love on them and to protect them and to give them a way of redemption. Let me, let me, let me explain why I say that is. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. What is going on there? Up to this point, they were, they were eating from the tree of life and every other tree in the garden. The only tree they couldn't be eating for was from the tree of good and evil. If in that state, in fallen state, they had taken and eaten from the tree of life as well, what would have happened is there would, no be, there would be no chance of redemption. And so out of the love and the kindness of God, he says, I cannot let them reach and eat from that tree in the state. Because if they do, I can't send my son Jesus as a cleansing for the whole world and to show my love on them and to show my grace and my mercy. I have to kick them out. <laughs> because I love them. And so he puts angels to guard the way there so that they are protected from themselves so that a connection can be remade in in Jesus eventually, and in belief in him. And everyone reads it like, oh, God's this crazy God who's just put these angels with flaming swords because he's angry. Yeah, I mean, he probably was angry. But it, it wasn't that. It was an act of redemption. It was an act of, I want to make a connection with you again. I want to allow the connection to at least be possible. Are you guys following me? And then in 2 Corinthians 5.21, right at the end of this passage that we're going to 
Get to it. It says this, and God made him who had no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so you see it in the book of Genesis. It's the same thing. It's saying the same thing. Christ, who had no sin, became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? So we can have reconnection. So we can experience the love of Jesus. So we can love others as he has loved us. The greatest commandment. That the whole of the Old Testament, the prophets and the law, hinge on. So if you want to understand the whole of the Bible, it's love. And so what does it mean for him who had no sin to become sin? It's it's like this. It's as if Jesus became the worst of me and you and everyone else on this planet who ever lived and who ever will live. So the worst of my sin, the worst of my heart on Monday, the worst of my lying, the worst of my deception, he hung on the cross. It was as if he who had no sin became my sin, your sin, every single person's sin from the, the worst of the worst so that he could substitute himself. So that the skins could cover us and his blood could cleanse us. So that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. There's one amen. Thank you, ever that was. <laughs> See, the only way we can have connection with God and with one another is through Jesus alone. We cannot do it on our own. It's an impossible task. Try by yourself. You're gonna, it's going to suck. Because <laughs> our nature is contrary to God's nature without him. Basic training is so important in the military and the police and other forces because without that, you have no foundation to work on. And when things get tough, I mean, I watched this thing the other day, the Hell Week. These, uh, I mean, the, the Navy SEALs in America, they go through this, yeah, it's, it's this training course is insane. I think like 1% of all guys going through, I think there's like 300 guys that start, like I think three or four guys make it through or something like that. So the ratios are crazy. It's like they put them through <laughs> this hellish week. Because they know that if they can know the basics and if they can get through that, anything that comes in, in combat will be nothing because they've gone through that. This preaches that. We're going back to basics. Without this, we got nothing. Okay, well, are, you, are you guys still with me? You're very quiet. Very quiet. See, the other thing I realized was, and the preach started like this, I panicked a bit. Uh, we were with the t- intern, intern guys, Jesse and... And uh, Wesley, <laughs> I love you, Wesley. Don't look at me. And like we, I threw out this thing. I was reading. I was like, "Hey, God loves the sinner, but hates the sin." And we was like, "Yo, man, there's something on that thing, you know?" Like, and then I did my research, and that's not biblical. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, everything I thought is now in turmoil," because there's actually scriptures that I found that say that God actually hates the sinner as well. So I'm like, oh, this is not good. Because my whole preach was supposed to be based on, we need to love the sinner, but, not, you mean, but hate the sin, and it's not biblical. And I'm like, oh, God, square one. That's why I wake up like I was five this morning to try to fix it. But what I realized is this. God can both love and hate perfectly at the same time because he's God. Because this is where the disconnect comes. <laughs> like, 
He can hate the sinner in a perfect, holy way, but still love him and forgive the sinner when they come to repentance. The problem with us is we don't love in an un, in an holy way. We can't. We don't have the in us to love you without malice, without Christ's help. So God can do the, he hates the sin and he hates the sinner. But when the sinner goes, oh my goodness, I need you, Jesus, and there's repentance, he loves the sinner. So when we come to people and we're like, like you're trying to like, like let's do, uh, um, let's do a coffee together in, in uh, with like a, a love sandwich. So for those who are visiting, a, cap, a cappuccino, well, we don't call it that anymore. Oh, someone said it, sorry. We're not allowed to say that anymore. When you want to try to point out something in someone's life, we're trying to do it godly, in a godly way. So like, say Richard, he's, got, he's doing great. I mean, he's just got saved. He's on fire for Jesus. Lacquer. So love sandwiches. Hey, Richard, bro, you're doing so well in the Lord. I, say, I love your passion. I love your desire. You just got baptized. You're amazing. You're saying things that are like, you see in him, right? Then we're like, but the meat and the thing is like, hey, dude. Yeah. Those, those swear words. No, he's not swearing. I'm just using, I'm just trying to, he's not swearing. Yeah, that dude, you know, now that you're a believer... You know, that's not cool. If you're doing it and you're trying to love him, but there's malice in your heart towards him, he's going to pick that up. <laughs> it's not going to be a love sandwich. It's going to be a bashing sandwich. But if there's connection and if he's been in my home and in my life and he's seen me and he knows me and I know him, when I go like, hey, dude, you're doing so well. But man, just watch your tongue. There's a whole different feel there, Right? Or not. And I see this a lot in Christians. We, we just hammer people. Not because we love them. It's because we think we're better than them. And we love sandwich people, but it's not a love sandwich. It's just a bashing. <laughs> because it's very hard for us to love and hate at the same time like God does. Because we're not God. And that's why dependence on Jesus is so important. Being in the Spirit is so important. Understanding how illusory we are, illusorish we are, how we are nothing by the grace of God, but the grace of God. That there's nothing special about us. There's nothing. It's just I'm, I'm a guy who loves Jesus that maybe has a slightly different role in the congregation to you. That's the only difference. If we can see how illusorish we are and without Christ we are absolute filth to him, it, it helps us love better. You guys are very quiet. Is it, are you, I'm not even in my first point. We are definitely not going to make this preach today. But anyways, maybe it's the Lord wanting to do stuff. I've got seven minutes left. My goodness. John Piper again. I've only got two quotes, and they're both John Piper quotes. He says this. Don't measure God's love by how much wealth or health or comfort he brings into your life. Measure God's love for you by how much of himself he shows you. Measure the love of God for you by how much of himself he gives you to know and enjoy. Again, it's connection. I don't love you guys because I'm paid, believe it or not. I know, it's, it's someone's like, What? This is your job. No, it's not my job. When I was 15 years old, I went on a mission trip because I liked a girl, to be totally honest. I'm just being honest with you. I was living in Durban then. I jumped on a bus to go into Omtata. It's probably like a 10-hour drive 
thinking that if I go on this mission trip, this girl is going to notice me and I'm going to become her boyfriend. That was my heart to go on this mission trip. Young people, don't do this. <clears throat> on the bus, there are a few over there. They're, like, they're loving this. This is their vibe now. You know I mean? Like, woo, girls, woo-woo, and guys. On that bus trip, my best friend asked that same girl out and they become boyfriend and girlfriend. So now, thank you for laughing. <laughs> so now I'm in the bush on a mission trip with a bunch of strangers, broken in my heart. <laughs> and then we go to this village and we get stuck. Our bus gets stuck. There's mud to the tires. We lose shoes. I mean, the mud was so thick it was to our knees. We get there. They've killed this animal. I don't even know what it was. And I'm thinking, yes, we've got to eat that because that's the only animal they have. <clears throat> what makes it worse, I'm just being honest here, what makes it worse is we go into this hut, and as we go in, this, the, the team leader, I mean, I'm panicking. I'm like, I'm a 15-year-old guy for the wrong reasons, and he points me, Brett, share something. I'm like, oh, dear. So I panic, and there's this little old lady sitting in the corner of a round hut. I don't know how that works, but she was there, and it was dark. <clears throat> and I'm like, I, I look at her, and I go, if you don't give your life to Jesus now, you're going to hell. Yes, everyone's like, oh! It's like... It's like, you know when you're at school and you fart and everyone moves away from you? <laughs> it felt like that. I'm not even joking. It's just like. And everyone's like, oh, I can check the team leaders. Like, oh, epic fail. I'm like picking up. I'm like, what did I do? What was wrong? I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> this is God's love and grace and mercy. She gives her life to Jesus somehow, which is amazing. What we found out, though, is she's the Sangoma of that whole area. <laughs> so the whole village eventually gave their life to Jesus because she changed. They're a 15-year-old guy. They were, was there for the wrong reasons. But then more than that, and this is why I'm here standing before you today. I was 15. As I came out of her hut, I felt like a power of the Lord come from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And he said this, you will love my people, and I'll give you a love for my word. I'm calling you. See, that's why I'm here. I'm not here for, because of my job. I'm here because God's told me to be here. And he put something in me that I'm trying to live out. But I fail, but I'm trying to live out. Why are you here? <laughs> Is it because it's the thing you do on a Sunday? Because the love of God compelled me as a 15 year old. I got back. And my pastor's like, something's changing you. My mom and dad, something's changing you. It, it changed the course of my life. It doesn't mean it hasn't been easy. It's been hard. But I desperately want to be compelled by God's love. Why am I crying? Open computer. And so don't measure... It's, it's because God revealed himself to me, and he continues to reveal himself to me. I keep all my preachers. I do. I went back 20 years ago. I preached my first preach. I, I was like, please, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> that was a false teaching. You know, like, and I realized how, how I didn't know God then. And then I'm realizing I still don't know God now, 20 years later of preaching. How he still reveals himself, and he still loves me, and he still gives me grace and mercy. And hope so that I don't live for myself, that I live for others. Very cool. Okay, I got two minutes and 44 seconds left. Ah. 
Can I have a little bit more time, please? Are you guys still around? Are you guys still with me? So Jesus is the, um, he, he came and he loved in a way that he says we need a model. He came and he loved his enemies. He prayed for his enemies. He fed his enemies. He eventually died for his enemies. And that's the love that he's calling us to. We gotta, it's not a, he came, like the word of God said, for, even Christ didn't come to serve, but to be he, not to be served, but he came to serve. The, the king of glory, the son of God, the one who left his heavenly throne to never be the same again. You know that Jesus didn't have a body. He was, didn't have a form before he became a man. He lost that for eternity. He's in heaven again at the right hand of the Father, actually interceding and praying that we become more like him. But he's got, he's got the wounds. He's a man. He'll never go back to what he had. He's changed. He's different. He's sacrificed for you and for me. <laughs> we forget this as Christians. The, I, I, I reckon the longer you walk with the Lord, the easier it is to forget who he is. Because we learn what to say. We learn how to act. We learn how to dress. We forget the basics. We, we forget that he loves us first. <laughs> and we need him like daily, forever. Does the love of God compel you? Does the desire for connection? It's, and it's like, God, like, it's not what you can give me. And that was the problem with the prodigal son story. Both sons wanted the father's things and not the father. Go read it. The one was rebellious and the other one was religious. The one said, I'm going to squander all my things. The other one said, I'm going to work as hard as I can so that the father will give me his things. They did the same thing. <laughs> They wanted the father's things. They didn't want the father. They didn't want the connection. They, want, they wanted what the father could give them. And the problem with church in general is the prosperity gospel sucks. And it's everywhere. It's like if you love Jesus, he's gonna, if you tithe, he's going to give you more. And that is possibly true. But what if he doesn't? Do you still love him just for who he is and what he's done on the cross for you? Thank you. One good thing this morning. Awesome. Think about it. Guys, are we... Thinking the way the world's thinking. Are we loving the way the world? Anyway, so getting back to the parable, I'm just not going on notes anymore. So I've given up. And so the one son, the, old, the younger son, the prodigal son, the rebellious son, he's, he's living in a pigsty, which is not good for him. And he comes back to his senses. He's going, even if I become my father's servant, it's better than where I am now. I want to reconnect with my father. And so he gets up and he goes and he reconnects and there's a party. Woo! And there's a ring and there's slippers and there's a fatted calf. And then what does the older brother do? Freaks out. Ah! You've spent our inheritance. Why are you loving him? And the father's like, no, no, because I'm reconnected with him. And he even says, my son was lost, but now he's found. He was blind, but now he sees. There's a reconnection. It's beautiful. <laughs> the older son is the one that's lost. Interesting. Interesting. So Jesus comes to connect. Love is connection. And out of connection comes patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Does not boast and is not envied, is not rude, is not self-centered. If we truly want to connect with the Lord and with each other, those things will come from that. 
But it's, do we want to be connected? Or do we want to do things our way? Love re- is rooted in that. I think I'm going to have to start closing because I don't want to lose the power of this. And let me just quickly, give me two seconds here because I've only got to like half of my first point, which is not good. Okay, let me end with this. So carrying on with 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So it's, it says, and 2, 19, it says, therefore, so the, the, the love of Christ compels us. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us through himself, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has also committed to us the message of reconciliation. So this is a very important scripture as well. So if Christ's love compels us to think differently, to act differently, to be different, not because of anything we can do, because it's connection, then reconciliation should be a very good part of our everyday life. Even, even in com group, and I'm not going to out anyone there, we were at a com group this week. The com group leader said, like, who's battling with the ego thing? You were there. Oh, now I've given away the com group. That's awkward. <laughs> you tricked me in thinking that. Everyone was like, I'm really battling with this ego thing. I'm really battling. That person did that thing to me, and I can't love him. Or that, and I'm sitting going, it's the same thing. I just had the same experience on Monday. We've got to know that we are a new creation in Christ if the connection is real. And so the, 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 new, the old is gone. The new is here, the Word of God says. And so we need to understand this, that we love because he loved us first. We've got to understand that. That's 1 John 4, 19. But then listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. I'll just read. So the, uh, you're right there. 1 Corinthians. There we go. So listen to this. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but, not, but have not love, I am only a resounding, clashing symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have... A faith that can move mountains but not have love. I am nothing. This is big, hey guys. The love of Christ is big. If I possess, go to the next one. If I possess to the poor, uh, sorry, if I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So this connection thing is a big deal to God. If you want to be a loser, don't love and don't be connected. Okay, let me throw a disclaimer and I'll start, I'll start kind of landing. I'm not saying, and Christ is not saying, he didn't die so that we can do whatever we want and live however we want to live. That's not a good understanding of love. I'm not saying... Hey, we love you, therefore live like you want to live. Or speak how you want to speak. Or, no, I'm saying if we love, sometimes love is actually a warning and a threat. 
Sometimes love is gentleness and kindness. Sometimes love is, hey, you need to figure this thing out for yourself. But the end result is, are we reflecting Christ more in that moment? Because there's this whole movement of there's no forgiveness, there's no repentance, there's no, you don't have to do anything because it's been done once and for all, never to be done again. I agree with that. Christ's work is done. But, but, <laughs> we're still human. And there's still a disconnection if we're not pushing into Christ. And there's still a heart that is more evil than anything else that will lead us astray. And so the, <laughs> the love of Christ is really important. And it's to do it well is actually sometimes it's tough. Sometimes when your leaders and your home group leaders and even the elders come and like, hey, we really love you. We're having this conversation because we deeply do love you. I know it's uncomfortable right now. But man, maybe you're not seeing this. That's not a, that's a love. You see Jesus rebuking people all the time. Especially the religious people. Only the religious people, actually. Again, it's about connection. Not about how we feel or how cool you think. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to be a cool person. I want to be a god full person. Sometimes you're not going to like me. If I'm reflecting Christ right. And you're not. And vice versa. When you speak into my life. Does it make sense? Okay, I have to land now. Because, please Lord help us. <laughs> let, me, let me end off with a Keanu Reeves quote. Because it's been quite spiritual up until this point. So why not let John Wick speak into our lives. <laughs> he was on a sitcom uh, show. I think it was G. Barrymore or someone like that. And she asked him something about love. Uh, no, no. She tuned him about being a fighter because he's a, he's a martial artist. And she tuned him something. And he said to her, if, if you're a lover, you've got to be a fighter. Because if you don't fight for what you love for, what kind of love do you have? And I thought, Keanu Reeves, you did something right there. So she was trying to tune him and go, hey, man, you, you, if you say you love, you can't be a fighter. And he's going, no, 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 hold on. You missed this thing. If I'm a true lover, I will fight for what I love for. I will hold on with everything I have. I will give my... And, and I think it's so fitting for us. I, God desperately loves you. And he desperately loves me. And he desperately loves his church. In our fallen state. In, I mean, while we're still sinners, he died for us. <laughs> he desperately loves us. He has fought for us because he loves us. He has shown his love over and over and over and over again. His desire to connect. The fact that he's given his Holy Spirit to us. That we don't have to do this by ourselves. That every single day, at any point in the day, we can be in the Holy of Holies, the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do we have the same fight in us to connect? I'm just going to leave it there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for this amazing congregation. Thank you for your desire to connect with us. And Lord, even as we've been experiencing these 
load shedding, blackouts all the time. Lord, how disruptive it is, how it's breaking down our economy, how it's making us unsafe in so many ways. Lord, there's so many negative things about disconnection. Lord, so often that's the same thing in our spiritual life. Because we start and we stop and we stop and we start and we push in and we push it back and we, we love a little bit like you and then we self takes over. Lord, we want to ask that through your spirit, and it's, it's only by your spirit and your living word that is active in our lives, that you can bring change in us today. Lord, thank you for loving us like you have. Thank you that you are slow to anger. Thank you that you never give up. Thank you that your word says that nothing can separate us from your love. Neither hearth nor death, principalities. Thank you that you modeled Jesus the way that will make us different. That we'll become your ambassadors on this planet. Your hands and feet.